Welcome to Badger Bigs, presented by the Varsity Collective, giving you inside access to some of the biggest figures in Wisconsin Badger athletics. Welcome to the Badger Bigs, presented by the Varsity Collective, the only podcast that highlights the joys of iconic Madison landmarks and brings you in-depth conversations from some of the biggest Badgers of today and generations past about life as a supersized athlete in their sports on campus and beyond. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, former Badger offensive lineman Joe Thomas. And I'm Joe's co-host, former Badger women's basketball player Annie Thomas. For this podcast, we're proud to be partnering with the Varsity Collective, an NIL collective led and backed by University of Wisconsin alumni, former Badger student-athletes like us, and Badger fans everywhere. The Varsity Collective's mission is to support Curtin Badger student-athletes on the field, in the community, and in life. And if you want to learn more and help support Badger student-athletes, then visit thevarsitycollective.com and register for their newsletter. Today, we're happy to welcome a truly exciting guest, the new head coach of the Wisconsin Badgers. Coach Luke Fickle. And later on in the show, we'll be joined by Wisconsin alumni class of 1993, Rob Master. Rob also happens to be the executive chair of the Varsity Collective, and he joins us to talk about all the amazing work being done to maximize NIL opportunities for Badger student-athletes and the Badger community as a whole. But for now, let's jump right into our conversation with Coach Luke Fickle. Welcome to the show, Coach. And now on the Badger Bigs podcast, it is my greatest pleasure to be able to introduce everybody to the new head football coach at Wisconsin, Luke Fickle. Luke, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who are eager to get to know the new head football coach of our beloved Wisconsin Badgers. So why don't we take a little bit of a step back and talk about the long history that you have with football, starting with becoming a two-time first-team All-Ohio defensive tackle in high school going on and starting for the Ohio State Buckeyes as a nose guard and then transitioning to coaching Ohio State and then being the head coach at Cincinnati for the last couple years. You had a lot of awesome opportunities over the last few years to join some really high profile and tradition rich programs in college football, but you decided to jump to Wisconsin this season. And I think I speak for all of Badger Nation. I want to know why Wisconsin and why right now? It would be an easy answer if there was just one thing I could point to, but there's not. It's kind of unique. I mean, timing is everything. And um, we kind of had we had some uh, good fortunes of having some opportunities in the last few years of, you know, maybe possibly leaving uh, Cincinnati where I was. And it just never was the right thing. And I mean that in a lot of reasons. It wasn't maybe the right place. What my family felt like it was a good place for them because there's more to it than just my job and, and what it is that I do. And this was a year kind of going into it that, kind of had said, hey, if there's something that we're going to do, this might be a year. Just our kids are at a certain age and kind of put some parameters in place to say, you know, there aren't places you would go, but there are things that you would want for not just your job, but for also for your family. And it's amazing those kind of those things that my wife and I laid out the, you know, the year before as as this kind of came up really late in the year, really, really fast. It checked every box and not just a great program, not not just a great, the history, but I mean, a community, a city and an area where my family could walk in, thrive, and, and really feel like we can grow, not just all about me and what it is that I do. Now, speaking of your family, those first steps off of the plane in Wisconsin, you guys had quite a welcome. Your entire family was there. The welcome reception at Camp Randall, it was pretty awesome to watch as a fan. 
What was that day like for all eight of you? Well, it was a little bit surreal. Everything happens kind of fast. And it's weird because if I can say this, I've the only time I've really walked into Camp Randall, I've never had that welcome before. <laughs> you know, so it was quite unique in the sense that uh, I think I think those are good cheers and as opposed to maybe something that was you were used to in the past. Uh, but to be able to do it as a family was was really important to to me. Yes, it is a job that obviously I'm bringing my family or I'm making my family move. But to have them to be a part of that, to kind of see and feel the energy, it was a big step for all of us. Chris McIntosh is the athletic director at Wisconsin. He's a former left tackle like myself at Wisconsin, a former hard-nosed blue-collar lineman like yourself at Ohio State. What was that first conversation like when you talked to Mac, and did you guys hit it off right away? I don't want to say this the wrong way. You know, us defensive guys are, you know, we, we speak a little bit different than the intellectuals on the offensive side. Yeah, slower. So, we'll, we'll you that. know, so, so it, it wasn't the easiest to start with. No, it was, it was pretty easy. Just crazy how things kind of happen. And you, you have some of this little history, not that you know each other, but, you know, when you kind of reflect back, there's, there's opportunities where you, you actually played against each other. So we had a little bit of that in common, but I think more than anything, we could tell that both of us were about, you know, hey, what's going to be the best fit for all of us? It's not just that, hey, am I the right guy for Wisconsin or or do you believe I'm the right guy? To me, it was a great thing having him knowing what it is that he wanted in this place needed, you know, because not everybody fits every place. And so to just have a real conversation kind of like this, that's not directed or it's not recruiting, it's mm-hmm. it's just, hey, let's talk about this. Let's get the feel for what the real things are. And if it's going to be the right thing for both of us, then let's let's find a way to get this thing done. You talk about fit. And I think that's something that a lot of Badger fans have been excited about just as they've come up to me since you've been hired. Because one of the things that people in Wisconsin and Badger fans have always been proud of is how this program was built. Like the foundation, the culture that's been here since Barry Alvarez got here in 1990. It was always built on big, tough, physical, hard-nosed dudes, a lot of them from the Midwest and the East that want to just bludgeon you to death, right? So how do you find a way to kind of keep true to that core, but also modernizing your approach, not only schematically, but fundamentally from a philosophical standpoint to be able to keep up with modern college football? Well, I think you first got to be smart enough to recognize the really great things that have been here. And I'm not, I say I haven't been in it forever, but I've been fortunate enough to be around some really good, great coaches, you know, Hall of Fame guys that, that were different and, and did it in different ways. And if I learned anything from them, it's to recognize the things that places have that are special and don't think you're going to go in there and all of a sudden change those things. Because every place has something that's special. Every place has something that's given them a little bit of the chance, whether they've had the great history, whether they've had the up and down history. And so for me, knowing you know Wisconsin playing against them from afar, I think I've said that in the past, that really knowing and recognizing and respecting, not always liking, but respecting <laughs> so much of what you know they have done from afar to walk in here and to really kind of now study what Coach Alvarez did, how he did it, the things he did. I knew from afar that our core values probably aligned about exactly, but that doesn't mean that you still aren't developing and growing in different ways. And, you know, everybody will eventually probably ask and talk about offense, you know, not that, you know, that's what we all want to talk about, but (laughs) I think it's a great way of, of kind of looking at, it doesn't mean just because you don't do it the same way, you don't still have the same core values Mm. and really kind of look at the same things that they've always done and been successful with just in a different way. Now, speaking of programs that have something special, the University of Cincinnati had something that was probably pretty special too. Your oldest son 
And now it's not uncommon to have a parent as a coach at some point in your athletic career, especially in youth sports. But coaching your son at the collegiate level is pretty rare and pretty special, I feel. How did you separate being coach and being dad? Or did you find it hard to let him just be a player and not hold him to the standards of son first? How did that dynamic work? It was different. I've never really had an opportunity to coach him, any of my kids. You know, may, maybe a little bit of summer baseball, just with the nature of the of what you do. Not that I in, in, in your one free week, you you were yeah, so I mean, he was like, what yeah, I really I mean, want to do is coach. Yeah. I'm yeah, just so, I mean, so you know, it's a little bit of a different sport. You know, I can throw some BP, but I never really coach. So so it, it was different. It was unique. I think I did an okay. I don't know that the relationship grew. To be honest with you, I didn't love it. And uh, I'm not saying it was, you know, perfect. I was fortunate enough that he was on the offensive line. I didn't spend nearly as much time with that. But the nice thing was he was kind of like an, a scout offensive lineman last year where, you know, he was with us and with me most of the time. But actually, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of, as this transition happens, I'm kind of looking forward to going back and being dad a little bit more. Hmm. I think we maybe had a little bit of a tougher time separating the difference between the two. Hmm. And to be quite honest, I, I don't know that our relationship grew a whole lot. And, and maybe that was just in the first two years and hopefully it would have turned a different direction. But I don't know. It, it was uh, our personalities probably weren't exactly fit for like, hey, let's let's grow this relationship we've got in, in two directions. I've always thought that the college football coach transition when you have a different head coach come in is way harder than at the NFL level. I went through a lot of head coaches at the NFL <laughs> level. I had six of them. So I never had a head coach for more than two years. But it's usually a really clean break. Like after the season, like the Monday after, everybody knows what happens. It's like everybody leaves. They move all the stuff out of their offices. Everybody <laughs> moves in. It's like these are your new dudes. College football isn't quite built like that. And a lot of it's because of the recruiting and the bowl schedule. It seemed like you and Coach Jimmy Leonard did a fantastically professional job of kind of handling that transition period from when you were hired until after the bowl game when your staff has kind of started to fully take over. What's been part of that process and what have been some of the challenges of going through that while maintaining a seemingly really focused on the program and on the kids? Well, I'd say first, he did a phenomenal job. I mean, mm -hmm. I was in a situation where I was going to be here. And so however I was going to handle it was going to handle it. But mm -hmm. I think it's much harder on his side, not knowing exactly what he was going to do. And then, and then once he decided, you know, how he was going to go about it and he I mean, I've been in that situation and he did a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. And to be quite honest with you, all the guys did a phenomenal job. Mm -hmm. And I, that showed me something. I know there was a bunch of former players on the, on the staff that if you're a former player and you love the place, you're going to do everything you've ever, no matter what, from the time you walk out the door to the time you walk in the door, whether you agree with the changes and things, you love the place. But everybody had the utmost respect for the players and the program. And that's showed me a lot, a lot about what the culture really was here. And I mean that in the own players locker room, but even within the, the whole entire coaching staff. And that to me was where I started to really kind of recognize more about mm -hmm. this whole culture here, about what it really means to be a Wisconsin Badger. So that time is invaluable to me. And people would say, oh, it's a hectic time. And, and it was, it wasn't the most comfortable situations. A lot of times you go to do a staff meeting and you're sitting around a table with 10, 12, 14, 18 guys that probably aren't going to be there in the next two weeks. But it really showed me a lot about what this place really is. And, and uh, I don't know if I could have ever truly figured that out and how long that would have taken me to figure some of that stuff out. So it was a unique experience. I thought those guys and Jimmy in particular led the whole charge and, and did a great job. Obviously, 
one of the big factors for you to decide to come to Wisconsin was the ability to be able to bring in recruits and the guys that you want to be able to sell the program, to sell the school, to sell the area. Now, one of the things that all the Badger fans that have stopped me and we've talked about since you got hired want to talk about is the recruiting class and some of the guys that you've been able to sign and then also bring in through the transfer portal. I think so far it's been something like as of today, four four-star quarterbacks, which equals all the four-star quarterbacks in the program that have been recruited up until the moment that you were hired. So I think it's safe to say that Badger Nation is pretty impressed with the recruiting that you've done so far. What have you learned about the school and maybe the football program by being able to secure a lot of these guys already to come to Wisconsin, even though you've only been here for a couple months? A lot of things sell itself. And I'm not saying that coming up to Madison in, in December 15th <laughs> is maybe what sells it the most. But I, I just think that it was unique for us to be able to get some of these guys on campus and then what the guys did and how they handled that. And I think just the energy that they felt within the team, that's a big deal. So I think there, there's a combination, of a lot of those things. There, there's an excitement. There's, you know, right now you're you're talking about the past and the history that we have done and and what the future looks like. And and people are excited about that. And, and the recruits are excited about that. And, and again, the one thing you can't fake is energy. And mm. the ability for us to get the guys here, to get, be around us as coaches, to be around some of these players that are in the program, I think more than anything, they felt the energy and they just, they believe in the things that we're doing and saying to move forward. And so I think a combination of all those things with outside of, you know, maybe December in, in Madison when that wind was blowing <laughs> there, there before, uh, before Christmas, all those other things I think really kind of added up. I was going to say, your personality has to be just on at all times to get Southern <laughs> boys to come up here and see a frozen lake and get excited about coming to Wisconsin. <laughs> we definitely joke about ice fishing a bunch. And uh, so <laughs> I, uh, that yesterday. I, well, I, I, and so there you go. I, you go. I am trying to embrace myself with all things Wisconsin. <laughs> I've done cheese curds. I've done some Ooh. other things. I don't know that ice fishing is going to be the first one that some of the O-line guys are trying to get me to go north and go <laughs> snowmobiling. And and so I, I think I'm going that direction before the ice fishing. Yeah. But yeah, it, it's it's a lot of not just how you spin it, but how you sell those things, how you look at it as do you look at it as a positive? Do you look at it as, mm. you know, something that's it's difficult, whether you're from the South, whether you're from the North, if you're a quarterback, well, how can I throw in this weather? Well, you know, we can show you all kinds of comparisons and, and then you can ultimately, you know, look at them to say, Hey, you want to play at the next level. There's, you don't get mm. some of those choices and, you know, it's just another opportunity for you. It's about the people that you're around. Is there anybody from this year's recruiting class that you're the most eager to get on campus and to start working with and to get them to start buying into the Badger football program? It's hard to pinpoint just one. I think the uniqueness is some of the the quarterback situations. Obviously, the Tanner Mordecai, if I can say that, yeah, I think I can. That's um, <laughs> official. I, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't know Officially some of the signings and things like that. But <laughs> I think just to get those guys in here, I was a guy I played against, so we we coached against mm. him for the last couple of years, and I think so. You know him a little bit deeper and better. And but my biggest thing is it's not just one guy. It's how do we get these guys in here and truly regardless of whether they're transfers or they're high school kids, transfers are a little bit different and, and really kind of mesh them in with the great culture and the guys in that locker room. So it's not in particular one guy. It's really, to me, how do all these guys find a way to truly say, okay, hey, we truly believe in the big picture of things. Mm -hmm. You know, you've been there. I mean, we all have a selfish nature about us, but once we become a part of that family, once we walk in that locker room, we've got to make sure that we can find ways to mesh all these people together. And that's what wins championships. 
somewhere around, I think, 11 transfer portal guys thus far have either committed or signed. I'm not an accountant, so I don't know exactly what that number is, but it's a lot. And I'm just curious, when you were looking at the Wisconsin job and you were thinking about, all right, how do I put my mark on the program from day one? Was the transfer portal something that you wanted to make a big part of the plan in year one, especially? No. I think, it's, uh, I think the reason I was drawn even more towards Wisconsin is I think it's a place you don't have to use the transfer hmm. portal. It's a place where you can bring your guys in, develop them. You know, you can have them for three years if they're like you and they're going to go to the next level in three years or you got them for four, you got them for five. The places that you can do that, I think those are the places that you can have sustained success. You can grow a program, you can build. Personally, if you think you got to go the transfer portal route, then you're in this I'd say rat race. We're all in a rat. Mm. You're, you're in this unknown too often. And that's not where we want to be. And that's what I think is so intriguing about Wisconsin is to look at it and say, okay, place of the history is a place of the future, but the future of what college football is really kind of going to in a lot of this other opportunities and other ways of doing things. But I still truly believe that the best way to do it is to, to recruit your own guys, retain them, develop them, and then truly use the portal in ways that say, okay, hey, Joe Thomas just left early. Oh my goodness. I'm not sure we've got the guy ready to step in. Mm -hmm. Maybe we got to go and look for a guy that's older and more, you know, has played some football. I think this year's a little bit unique because we only signed, I think, 14 high school kids. So it put us in a situation to say, okay, we still want to make sure we've got that 22 to 25 group of guys coming into mm -hmm. your program. This year, they just happen to be maybe a few guys that are older, but a lot of these transfer portal kids have three and four years. You know, as a former player, we can sniff out phoniness in a coach in a split second. What are some of the values that you want your players to see in you as a head coach? For the players that were here, being here all of the bull practice was a big deal to me. Mm. Like people would say, is it the most comfortable situation? You uniquely went through something like that in 2011, 2010, 2011, whatever it was. And myself and my buddy reflecting back on it, tried to say, okay, now what what was bad about that time where we did the same exact thing where we mm -hmm. kind of had a, a new coach coming in and, and what things did you not like? And, and he had a different perspective than I did. And it was really good to kind of talk about those things to say, okay, now how am I going to go about this next month through that whole bowl practice? And it was really more about, I want guys to, to be around me. I want guys to see me. I want guys to have a better chance. Not like all of a sudden when the, when everything is just hitting the fan, right? When mm -hmm. January comes here, when these guys walk back in, I mean, it's, it's a training time and there's a lot of new things that are going to happen. And I think it will be a little bit harder for them to evaluate, you know, even me and who he is. But that last month, that two days out of the bowl game, or, or I shouldn't say two days, four days out of the bowl game, two days around a lot of their families, just to try to put a face to the name, get a chance to shake some hands and talk to them. Cause I've never been in their homes, get a better grasp of really who, who I am and, and, how things aren't going to be that much different here because the culture is the culture. And I just want to find ways to embrace the great parts of it, enhance some other ones. Now, before we have to let you go, Coach, something on the podcast that we like to do is talk about our favorite places on campus. Now, you've been here for all of like a hot second, <laughs> but has there been any places on campus besides the airport that you've been to that you're like, yes, this is where I'm going to come back when it's a little bit nicer out, enjoy the terrace oh, a little bit? Goodness sakes, no. And now, I've been to get two haircuts to two different places on campus, <laughs> okay. and that's the only thing I have done. I'm looking forward to you know touring around and seeing things unfrozen. That's for sure. Yeah, we'll check back well, in think... in June. Yeah. <laughs>
I think Annie and I's favorite spot on campus is right outside of Wando's bar. Because that's where we met oh. for the very first time. I've always told story my parents we met at the began. library. So please, yeah. we need to yeah. edit this out. We had a lot of cover stories out. at the beginning. <laughs> but it was we Wando's. We met at church in the library, not Wando's. That's right. That was maybe the I, second. You know what? Moment. I think that's maybe where I, I met my wife. Yes. <laughs> Not so, Wando's, but someplace yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> Similar. Wando's of uh, Ohio State. But Wando's is famous for more than just being the meeting place of me and Annie. It was actually the birthplace of Jump Around. And there was a really cool little segment that got put out, uh, I think it was last weekend, in college football that talked about the birth of Jump Around and how it became the best tradition in college football. And after seeing it on the other sideline... What do you think your emotions are going to be like when you see jump around for the very first time standing on the Badger sideline as the Badger football head coach? Actually, you just gave me, I honestly, I got chills just when you started <laughs> saying that because obviously I was on the other side and, and mm. felt it. Uh, I did see it a little bit at the bowl game. They did play it at the bowl game. Obviously it's not the same mm -hmm. by any means, but I'm really excited. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that's the thing I'm most excited about, but uh, to be on the other side of it is really unique. And to be honest, I don't know when that song came out, but I remember when I was a freshman in college, <laughs> my roommate introduced me to it. And uh, it's just been something that's stuck in my head ever since. And obviously, I don't know when that birth started, but my all the strength coaches went to Wando's last night because they came in this morning and told me that they went to the birth of uh, Jump Around. Nice. So I said, okay, I haven't been there yet. I'm not sure last night would have been the night to take me there, but you know, at least it wasn't a basketball game night. <laughs> uh, one step up from a basketball night, but yeah, it's a great spot. And coach, I think, and I hope that you and your family feel like you found a great spot at Wisconsin. I know Badger fans are certainly excited about the upcoming season. So thank you very much for taking your time and coming on the Badger Bigs podcast. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks coach. Thank you. And now we have the privilege of being joined by a Badger alumnus from the class of 1993, and he's also the executive chair of the Varsity Collective, Rob Master. Rob is also an adjunct professor at UW's School of Journalism and Mass Communications, and he also previously served as the Vice President of Media and Integrated Marketing at Unilever. Rob joins us now to talk all about the incredible work being done at the Varsity Collective to maximize NIL opportunities for all Badger student athletes and the Badger community as a whole. Don't forget, if you want to get involved, you can learn more at thevarsitycollective.com. So without any further ado, Rob, welcome to the show. Well, Joe, thanks so much for having me. Super excited to be on Badger Bigs. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, coming on with us. I know you've been a huge part of getting Badger Bigs started in the entire vision of the Varsity Collective. So I got to start right off the top. They've been doing some outstanding work at the Varsity Collective, but how exactly did you get involved from the start? So I think it dates back to um, my time at Unilever. We have a number of big brands, brands like Degree and Dove and Axe and Hellman's, you name it. You name a place <laughs> in your house and you're going to have Unilever products. And so we did a whole program. We were a longtime sponsor of the NCAA and our Degree brand Actually, we were the first major company to launch with a program called Breaking Limits, a kind of purpose-driven campaign that engaged student-athletes. And so I had a front row seat to that and kind of starting that program. And that got me like first involved and exposed to this space. And then between that and being an adjunct at the school, I met Mac, so Chris McIntosh, and we got to talking. And one thing led to another with a host of folks like Kenny Dichter, Ted Kellner, and the crew. And next thing I know, I'm like, 
here we are. Let's go. And the Varsity Collective was born. So you and I have had a chance to get to know each other a little bit over the last few months as the NIL and the Varsity Collective has taken off. But I think it's important that we get into your background a little bit. Why are you so passionate as a Badger fan? Why is it so important for you to be able to give back? And so the first question for me, and I'm sure everybody that's listening out there is, how did you end up at Wisconsin in the first place? I grew up outside Chicago. You know, Wisconsin was just you know always a great school, great university, mix of academics, terrific social experience. And, uh, you know, college is so different today. There's like all this analysis that goes in mm. to visiting all these schools with your parents. <laughs> like, I just kind of drove up to Wisconsin from home by myself and walked <laughs> down the campus and was like, this place is amazing. I'm here. <laughs> Fortunately, I was able to get in and here I am. Never any consideration about going anywhere else or you just always knew as soon as you stepped on campus that this was where your destiny was leading you. Once I stepped on campus, I remember the movie, um, Rodney Dangerfield, back to back school. Back to school, of course. I remember right where it was filmed. Remember that like pedestrian bridge right over yes. what street is that? But that's such a famous shot in the movie. Like he's walking up like Baskin Hill on yes. his road. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Uh, I remember like going on campus and being like, oh my God, this is where Rodney Dangerfield is walking around <laughs> in that bathrobe. So no, I really think once <laughs> you see the lake, the union, I just think it's uh, it became a no-brainer for me. So there really was no other school. Mm. It was just always Wisconsin. Yeah, as you sit there and reflect back on your best memories of being a Badger, what comes to mind? It's got to be sitting at the Union in the fall mm. and then sitting at the Union in the spring. Mm. It's just, I don't know, sometimes we realize how amazing we had it there mm. and we just took it for granted. Mm-hmm. But I think reflecting back, just like that iconic scene at Lake Mendota at the Student Union is probably like some of my best memories. Yeah, it's cool being in the NFL. Obviously, I get introduced to a lot of players that played at a lot of really cool campuses, but it definitely seems as you talk to those guys that our union being right there on the water, serving beer, serving food now with the the great concert little venue that they have. And if you get there in the summer, they've got all sorts of cool nights with different live bands. They've got improv night. They've got movie night. There's always something going on down there. And everybody that knows about it throughout the country thinks this has got to be one of the coolest spots on any campus in all of the country. And there's a lot of places that are really special for me and Annie. Obviously, we met at Wando's for the very first time, at least the first time we were able to talk to each other and sort of hit things off, which it's the birthplace of Jump Around. I think ESPN may have done a really cool little homage to the birthplace of Jump Around just a few weeks ago during the college football playoffs, which was really cool. So that's a place that's really special to me. Outside of the Union, is there any place on campus that you just have a really awesome memory that every time you see it, it just brings you back to that time and the place and you can almost just like close your eyes and envision the sights and the sounds and the smells of everything that's happening around you during your years as a student? Yeah, there's so many. I mean, I think, you know, I start with the KK, you say sights, sounds, and smells. <laughs> yeah, smells, the sticky floors. I mean, the, the KK was amazing. Yeah. The broad house outside was yeah. amazing. Bucks up by the Capitol was, mm-hmm. I guess you're noticing a pattern here, but I went, <laughs> yes. I went to school Naming for four years, so you got you to give me the benefit of the doubt there. But, yes. So certainly that, but I, I think, you know, to some degree, Madison starts with, its anchors are the student union and State Street. I mean, just two like amazing experiences. And then you layer on top of that. I was fortunate enough to work at the state Capitol while I was mm-hmm. a student there. And it's like, you might as well be in DC. It's unlike mm-hmm. almost any state Capitol you go to. 
So I think there's just so many special, cool places in Madison. Yeah. And let's not forget, I'd be remiss if I didn't highlight the library. Yeah. Helen C. White is like, it's like beach fun property when you're studying. <laughs> I mean, you're looking at it in the water. I mean, yeah, I think there's so many places, but those yeah. are certainly a few that I've loved and remember well. I think that was one of the things that was really cool when we first started talking about the Varsity Collective and how we can be different and how we can set ourselves ahead of the other NIL collectives in the country. And you talked about how wide this network is at Wisconsin, especially within the business community. When I was going to school there, Wisconsin had the most Fortune 500 CEOs in the yeah. country of any school. And I don't know if that's still true, but it's still relatively true because there's connections throughout the entire country in the business world of Badger fans that want to remain connected with each other, but also they want to be able to give back to these athletic programs in any way they possibly can. And I would love to hear you kind of let everybody know how we feel that the Varsity Collective can kind of lean into that network to lean into that business community and those alumni that are interested in helping and giving back to set the Varsity Collective ahead and apart from maybe some of the other NIL collectives, which are more than more about just raising money than anything else. What makes us distinct is, I think, a couple things. First is, we are a collective for the entire athlete population. So all mm -hmm. 23 sports, 800 plus student athletes, the programming and the access is for everybody. That's first and foremost. We have one collective. You go to look at other schools, they have multiple collectives. They have two football collectives, two basketball, different sports. The second thing is, it's so much more, and you hit on this, it's so much more than just being transactional about raising money. And so, so much of the Varsity Collective is really, almost what we're doing here right now is like bridging the gap between the badgers of past, whether it be student athletes like yourself or alumni like me, connecting with the current students today. And I think that's such a big part of it. And so we've created a lot of programming around that. Programs like Life Currency, which is like this mentorship program. And whether you're in entertainment or you're in finance or you're a social worker, like as a student athlete, you pick kind of like what your career interest is and we will match you with a badger. And the other part of that is a program called Rep Yourself, which is how do we help these student athletes maximize this moment in time for nil and represent themselves? So we're bringing in lawyers for contract help. We're bringing in tax people to help them figure out mm. how to do those taxes, which is coming soon. We're bringing in social media experts who understand, hey, you're building a brand on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Well, we're bringing in Badger alum, by the way, from Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok to help you shape and think through how you should position yourselves on these platforms. Ultimately, 98% of the student athletes are going to go professional in something other than the sport they're playing in Wisconsin. And how do we, to your point about this community, how do we make sure we're leveraging, giving the athletes the opportunity to leverage this community well beyond the four years they're here? One of the things that I'm really excited about with this podcast is obviously being able to partner with my wife, who is a basketball player, non-revenue sport, me being in football, but I also was on the track team at Wisconsin, so I made a lot of lifetime friends in track and field, and I got to see the support that Badger Nation gives to our non-revenue sports. We've seen it, obviously, with volleyball and the success yes. that they've had there, but I would argue that Wisconsin and their non-revenue sports has more support from Badger alumni and Badger fans throughout the country than probably any other university's non-revenue sports. And I think the NIL Collective and the Varsity Collective specifically is really cool because we're not just focusing on raising money for football and basketball, but 
We're trying to leverage those things, like you mentioned, with life currency and the funds to be able to help all of the sports and try to separate ourselves from the competition in some of those non-revenue sports. And it's been really fun so far for me with Badger Bigs to be able to maybe highlight some of those big personalities, some of those big names in other sports besides just basketball and football. As we kind of think about the mission and the vision of the Varsity Collective, we wanted to make sure that we were developing something that reflected our, our university, our athletic department, our alumni, and our fans. And I think you hit on it. We're so much more than just one sport, two sports. We're 23 sports and over 800 athletes. And I think that's what makes, I think, the Varsity Collective distinct is that focus. And, you know, ultimately, I think, you know, whether you call it the front porch or the tip of the spear, men's football tends to be those things. But we're going to make sure that everything we're doing is accessible to all the student athletes. Mm -hmm. And so we intend to be very competitive in football, but we're going to be equally, if not more competitive in everything else for every other sport. Yeah. Why do you think that approach specifically is so important for Wisconsin and Wisconsin athletics? It's almost like the Wisconsin way. Again, I know it Mm. kind of sounds corny or cheesy, but it's really true. We wanted to make something that our entire kind of alumni and fan base would be proud of. And I think when we developed our vision and mission, I spent a lot of time looking at Wisconsin's vision and mission as a university. I looked at like our, the, the ethos and the values of the school, and we wanted to make sure we were reflecting that in the Varsity Collective. We're an independent entity, but we are representing the University of Wisconsin. When you were at Unilever, you said that you oversaw some of their NCAA partnerships, including an NIL deal for the degree deodorant. What is it called? The Breaking Limits ad campaign, I think. Yeah, Breaking Limits, yeah. And I'm curious, what was that experience like? And, you know, how do you maybe relate that to what we can do for some of our student athletes at Wisconsin? Yes, I think first and foremost, where the similarities were also is when when we launched that program, it wasn't like we were looking for the number one draft pick in basketball and football. We were looking looking for storytellers, people who Mm. could tell great stories. And I think we found some great stories right here in Wisconsin. Of course, I'm a little bit biased, Mm -hmm. but like three of athletes we launched the campaign with were Matt Henningston, who was a a walk-on freshman playing the D-line. He was a mechanical engineering, computer science major, right? I mean, 4.0 student, Mm -hmm. Dana Recchi, who I think, you know, obviously is a was national player of the year. And Shayla Edwards, who was a national championship hockey player uh, and a woman of color. So I think we just, we looked for like diverse storytellers mm. and people who could tell really interesting stories. And so the second year we did it, uh, I also, of course, I went back to the well for Badgers. So we're on, we're on year two for Breaking Limits. And we partnered with Chucky Hepburn, who I mm. think has an amazing personal story. And a cross-country runner, Peyton Sippy, who's mm. has an amazing personality that she brings to life on TikTok. Mm. And so being a brand ambassador or influencer, it's a big and lucrative business, but it comes with responsibility for doing great content and doing the right follow-up. For the millions and millions of people that surely are listening to Badger Bigs yeah. every That's single right. week right. for every episode, what can they do if they want to get involved and help support Badger student-athletes? So I think the first thing I would say is I would start by starting to look and follow our various handles across social media. Mm. We're a very digitally driven collective, whether it be LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook. We're now on YouTube. We're coming to TikTok. We're on Twitter. 
And I think just get a sense of kind of what we stand for and what we're doing. Certainly check out the website. I mean, those are the first things I would say that will then give you a window into the Varsity Collective and the various opportunities we have to engage on, you know, we're a 501c3 charitable opportunity for, for people to, to work with our students as brand ambassadors for charities, which we've done a ton of. Like, just to give you a flavor, in 2022, we worked with 17 local, national, and regional charities. We did six full team activations. So mm. the football team, the women's basketball, women's volleyball, women's hockey, the, ba- you know, the list goes on. We worked with nearly 200 athletes across 10 different sports. And so, I mean, we're doing, we're not just saying. And I think once people feel that connection, hopefully they'll want to give back in different ways that, that can contribute to the value of the student athletes. I'll never forget the moment Barry Alvarez was sitting on my couch. It wasn't my couch. It was my mom's couch. My mom's couch in Brookfield, Wisconsin, in my house. And he said to me, once a badger, always a badger. And that resonated with me in that moment for a long time. And it still does today because that spurred a conversation between me and my parents. And they said, you know what? You're a Wisconsin kid. You grew up a badger. Coach Alvarez said, once a badger, always a badger. What that means is no matter if you make it to the NFL or not, this program, this coaching staff, everything around this university, they're going to take care of you. And they're going to make sure that they do everything you can. Now, it's not a handout. It's, yeah, it's not no, no. a lifetime entitlement. But they're going to do everything they can to help you be successful. And if you do your part, you're going to have success in whatever walk of life you decide. And that's been absolutely 100% true. And there's not many things you can say during a recruiting process that turn out to be true. But once a Badger, always a Badger certainly was true. With that, I want to say a big thank you again to Coach Fickle for being on the show and Rob, of course, for being the guest today. And thanks to all of you for listening to Badger Bigs presented by the Varsity Collective. And remember to stay tuned for the next episode. And in the meantime, learn how you can get involved with the Varsity Collective and support Badger student-athletes at thevarsitycollective.com. And to stay in the loop on the latest updates, make sure to subscribe to the newsletter. Until next time, see you!